Hello, I'm Tara Suber, and welcome to Tara Talks 2. First of all, I'd like to thank you. Thank you guys so much for your continuous support. Every week, it's not easy. Sometimes it's a struggle to focus. Sometimes it's a struggle to get the words out. Sometimes it's a struggle to stay on task and to stay in order or to keep control of the conversation because my mind works in a way where it's like a puzzle on a table and you see the box and you know how the puzzle is supposed to look, right? And then you dump the box of the pieces all on the table and it's all jumbled and it's all, you know, it's supposed to make sense because you have the picture right here next to you, but on the table when they're all not put together, it just doesn't seem to fit. So some weeks it's sort of like that and I have to do a take two. Well, this is that week. <laughs> I just felt like it was just so out of sync. And so take two, here we go. <laughs> I'm just being transparent, guys. It's not always easy, but at the end of the day, it is absolutely worth it because I feel that everything that I, I'm doing in this season on this assignment is purpose-driven. And if it wasn't for purpose, I wouldn't be here in this season doing this work. And I thank you for your testimonies. I thank you for your text messages and your phone calls. Thank you for your emails. I appreciate that because that encourages me and that lets me know that on those days when it feels like the pieces are just not fitting together, Dara, when it feels like you're you're not focused and it feels like everything is jumbled and not working out, that, yeah, yeah, no, no, shake that loose, girl. Get it together, sis. Come on, homie, let's work it out. Keep pushing because you're making a difference. So thank you. Thank you for responding and letting me know. Even those of you who don't respond, it's okay. It's okay. But thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I do. <sighs> On last week, I spoke about the aftermath. And we all know how when a storm comes through, our life, or in the natural, I was born and raised and lived all my life on the East Coast, specifically in South Carolina, in Charleston. And Charleston is known to be in a part of the Atlantic that experiences a certain current that comes right off the coast of Africa down through the Caribbean and skirts right up the coast. I can't think of what the current is called right now. But that same exact current during certain times of the year, especially between the months of June through early November, is what we call hurricane season. Because storms form off the coast of Africa and they travel and 
they are strong enough and they stay together and um and the current holds and the condition of the weather is just right the storm will grow and if it keeps formation and stays together it um becomes a tropical depression and then if the winds pick up it becomes a tropical storm and then they name it and then if the winds continue to pick up and it gets anything above 75 um, miles per hour it officially becomes a hurricane and um, from there the hurricane can upgrade from a category one or two to three to four to five and so we're used to storms coming through here on the east coast and as a native here in charleston and a daughter of 1972 I was here in 1989 and old enough to remember Hurricane Hugo and when Hurricane Hugo came through I remember the day I remember I don't remember the day of the week but I remember the kind of day it was it was all the hype the week leading up to it Um, the news anchors and the weathermen we're all, you know, talking about it and on the national news and the local news, everybody just was in a state of frenzy talking about this hurricane that was just coming up the coast and it wasn't sure where it was going to hit or when it was going to hit, but it was coming, it was coming. And then in the few days prior to the storm, I mean, living here, you couldn't tell a storm was coming. The skies were beautiful. It was blue. Beautiful summer, September, hot as can be. You know, it didn't seem like a storm was on the way. I remember my son was um, a year old and me and mom and dad and Max and JR and Chris, we were all in the house and we were preparing, you know, thinking about the things we had to do for the storm, getting water, canned goods and stuff because this was the first major storm that was coming our way. So I think my parents may have been through a few others because I heard you hear the old timers talking about storms and stuff. Oh, we was through. We stayed through Hurricane David. Oh, and Dolly. And, I, you know, I'm just making up names. I don't remember the names of it, but old timers would talk about the different storms and they would. Uh, so they knew how to prepare. So, you know, my mom and dad, they knew how to prepare. And at the time, my dad worked for the town. So as a, uh, an official of the town, he was eventually called out to work all night. And so our original plan was we were going to be home. But since dad was called out to work all night, he didn't want us home by ourselves. So he wanted us to be with his sister and a brother-in-law down the street. Because, you know, he just didn't feel comfortable us being in the house without a man in the house. And I understood that, you know. But this storm was coming, you know, like I said, everybody was in a frenzy. Everybody was talking about it. And the day before the storm, they said, it's it's not going to hit Charleston directly. It's going to be, I think they said Savannah, blah, 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 or North Carolina, blah, blah, blah. And when I tell you hours, maybe 24 hours out, the storm turned and it headed for Charleston dead on. 
It was almost like it just somebody was driving it and just turned the wheel ever so slightly and it aimed straight for us. And everybody was still and quiet. And I remember Charlie Hall, iconic Charlie Hall, local weatherman saying, leave or die. Shelter in place because there's nowhere to go at this time. There's no one that's going to come and get you. This storm is catastrophic and it's headed right for us. It's going to cause damage like we've never experienced before. And he started naming old storms. And I remember these are the storms the old timers were talking about. They was bragging about how they survived it. This is not such and such storm. This is not this is such and such storm of 70 something, 70 this. This is not that storm. This storm is going to be catastrophic. I remember those words. And I was afraid. And I remember looking outside when, you know, we reluctantly, because mom didn't want to leave home, packed our bags and we headed over to my aunt and my uncle's house. And the sky was so beautiful. It was bluer than any blue I've ever seen in my life. It was the bluest of blues. And then the storm began to get closer to the coast. And it hit like a wrecking ball. The next day was devastating. No power. You couldn't access roadways. You couldn't drink the water. The power was out for 30 days or more in some places. Our home that we left was destroyed, unlivable. We lost everything. Thank goodness we left. So the aftermath of that storm left us in a place where we had to begin to figure out how to put things back together. And so I was a place in my life. That's so crazy. That is so crazy when I think about it. (laughs) As it was in Mother Earth, then that storm came through in 89, early 1990. I was picking up the pieces of my life and it was just catastrophic. And afterwards I entered into the aftermath and trying to put things back together. And I remember family members trying to help. I remember just as we were doing in 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 the natural after Hugo, how there was the Red Cross and there was there was um different agencies that you reached out to. DSS gave food stamps to families to access food and the Red Cross uh, did things. FEMA came around. These were resources after the storm for us to 
rebuild our lives. And after the storm in my life, there was a circle of people that was my circle of love, my new tribe. They helped me to rebuild my life. They helped me to regain my courage and to find who I was before. Pick up the broken pieces and just put it back together again. <laughs> Donald Lawrence penned a song. I don't, I'm certain he did. It's called The Mender. Him and People Bryson sung it on a songwriter's point of view. I believe it was a songwriter's point of view. And um, the song says, I'm reminded of a story of a man who sat on a wall. It says, this old man had a great big fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men could not put this fellow back again. But I know one who can mend a broken heart. Turn your life around. The lost can now be found. Said, I know one that can put the broken pieces together again. Jesus Christ, the mender of all men. I remember my mom reaching out to a resource to find help for me. There was an iconic radio station in the Low Country, WPAL. <laughs> or, you know, it might have been WZJY. One of the two. I just cannot remember which one. It's very a community rounded station. And they had this segment that came on on I think it was Saturdays. It was called Teen Talk. And the young lady at the time that did the teen talk, her name was Penny Dawson. And we listened to Teen Talk every Saturday. Mom and me, it would be on the radio. And so we would listen, you know, while we were around the house, it would be on the radio. My grandfather had this radio, uh, a console radio old time. You lift the top up. It looks like a piece of furniture. You lift the top up and there's eight track. There's a radio uh, with the dial, this record player and this, the big speakers built into the console. I remember listening to Penny on the radio and she was very inspirational. She just always had a heart for teens and just a heart for encouraging teenagers to do better. And I remember after my storm, my mom reaching out to Penny secretly. And one day while I'm at the house, Penny shows up. And she's in my granddaddy's living room. Now, I didn't even know how she looked, but I knew her voice from the radio. I was so amazed. And my mom reached out to Penny because she knew I enjoyed listening to Penny on the radio. And so she reached out as a resource to just try and help me with my healing process. It's very important. So not only did I have my tribe, 
I had resources like Miss Penny. You know, I had a chance to thank Penny. Last summer, Penny came to my church as a part of a summer series that we did. And she's still working with teens. She's um, still working in ministry with teens. And she's still doing that mission work in the field that people are in the business now of being seen and being known and being recognized. You know what I'm saying? But Penny Dawson was never that person. She's in the business of doing the work and not looking for nothing in return. But I felt like when I saw her still doing that same work that pretty much saved my little life back when I was just a little whatever teenager doing whatever I wanted to do, however I wanted to do it. And she's still helping these teenagers. She still has a passion and a drive to do this. Just planting seeds in these young kids' lives. You know, she's still doing the work. I was able to thank her. I was able to tell her, yo, you just don't know what you did for me. You probably don't even remember. But you came to my grandfather's house when I was going after my storm. And you helped me put my pieces back together. At least put it back in perspective and get me back on the right path. There were many people like that in my life. Many people like that. When I went through my second pregnancy, there was a very tough time for me. My son's father was very great support. We didn't stay together. We stayed together as support to make sure I was okay but we did not stay a couple I should say and we went to the same church and it was difficult for me because in the church that I was a part of at that time you know it was hit and miss you know old traditional Baptist church you know they're pretty stern and to be a teen and pregnant Again, boy, it's like you got double. You sit down in the back, you know, you don't be up front. You do this, you can't do that. But the guy was able to operate, but you couldn't operate. I didn't, I didn't, even then I thought that was strange. Like, what, what? I ain't do this by myself, you know what I'm saying? But I have to sit back here and suffer. Oh, before I was pregnant, when I had my first son, and then after I had him, then everything was all good. I can get on the choir and sing, Tara. Oh, go ahead, Tara. And then now that I'm pregnant, oh, just look at her. Look at her. I remember a story my grandmother told me. My grandmother was at our church this particular Sunday. And I don't know if it was Missionary Sunday or whatever. And I was pregnant with my second son. And I didn't see it, but she could see everything from her perspective. And it was after church, she told me, I cannot believe that that woman did that. As you were coming up to the offering, she looked at you and rolled her eyes as if she wanted to spit on you, like you was crap underneath her shoe. And she's a grown adult to be treating a child like that. 
like you're the only one who ever was pregnant before your time, before you were supposed to. You ain't the first one and you ain't going to be the last. Half of them was pregnant out of wedlock. My grandmother was on it that day. <laughs> but it was something because you were criticized and you were ostracized by the place that you went to find sanctity. The place that you thought was a sanctuary. You know, no, I wasn't rooted and grounded. I was still trying to find my way, trying to find my faith, but... To be ostracized like that by the people of faith, it was just weird to me. You know what I'm saying? And so as someone who really don't understand, it just kind of threw me off. So as I grew to understand what a real believer was, I vowed to never be like that. Ever. No, everybody wasn't like that. I'm going to just be honest. All of them weren't like that, but a lot of them were very judgmental. That's not your job to judge me. It's your job to encourage me. It's your job to love on me. It's your job to tell me, listen, honey, everybody makes mistakes. Yours just can be seen more than theirs. But you know, it's going to be okay. This is not the tell-all be-all in your life. That's your job to love like Jesus did. But no, everybody wanted to be judge and jury, but I vowed to not be that. I vowed not to be that kind of church because I didn't want to be witness, that kind of witness to anybody ever in my life. I didn't want to plant that kind of seed in someone's life. I promised myself that I would not do that to someone else because after you've been made to feel that way, Trust me, you wouldn't want anybody else to feel like that. It changes you. If you only knew my story, would you have treated me differently? And why did you have to know my story to treat me differently? Why couldn't you just sow seeds of love instead of being judgmental and disgraceful? It's simple. It's a choice. You have a choice. When people are going through storms, you have a choice. You can either be a part of the problem. You can add to the turmoil. You can add to the storm. Or you can be a part of the solution. You can be a part of the crew that comes by and helps pick up the pieces. You can be a resource provided to someone to help them be better, to be stronger. You can be a picture of love, a picture of hope, a picture of light that pours into them. You have a choice. What are you going to do? What are you going to choose? I choose light over darkness. I choose love over judgment every time, every time. The seeds that you sow, you will reap. The seeds that you sow, you will reap. I'm telling you. <laughs> so choose wisely. 
I appreciate everyone that chose to sow into me even when they didn't know or understand the full picture. I appreciate the positive energy of the people that poured into me in the aftermath of my storm that provided me with resources of positivity, encouragement, and with the faith to just go on. They just just reinforced me with just another little push here and there when they didn't even understand the category of the storm that I had faced. They had no idea the category five storm that I had just come out of. But they chose love. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening on today. Until next time, God bless you and be encouraged.